Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Luis Merchant about shifting human capital strategy and acquiring talent in the cannabis industry. Luis Merchant, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. John, thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the Miami, Florida area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the shifting human capital strategies to acquire talent within a very particular and specific industry. We're going to be talking about the cannabis industry. Now, we've talked a lot on this podcast about the changing nature of work, about uh, the great resignation, acquiring talent, human capital strategy. All of those things are, are things that we've discussed at length. Uh, in the past with other guests, but we've never actually specifically talked about these things within the cannabis industry, which is a a huge growing industry. Um, So I'm really excited to explore this with you. As we get started, I just wanted to share Luis's bio with everybody. Luis Mergen, president and CEO of Flora Growth Corp, is a New York and Miami-based executive with over a decade of proven experience in, in enterprise sales management, corporate strategy, merchandising, and expense management and customer experience. Prior to joining the team at Flora Growth, he previously served as Macy's Inc.'s vice president of workforce strategy and operations, where he managed the enterprise's multi-billion dollar P&L expense line for 540 store portfolio and led various sales and marketing initiatives, including the business to business corporate sales team responsible for 160 million in annual revenues. And really, I could go on and on, Luis, uh, but I'm going to pause there. I'm going to give you a chance to share anything else about yourself, your background, your career uh, that you would really like to highlight for me and my listeners. Of course, John, look, you, you've said it all. I, I was originally born in Colombia, came to the States about 20 years ago to get my MBA, uh, met my wife in Louisiana, and she decided we were going to live in the States. Uh, I've had a, a very fruitful career, career in retail and CPG, have lived in a number of states, five of them and seven moves over the last two decades. So very familiar with the American consumer, of course, and as you mentioned, uh, my, my latter part of my career was at Macy's where I had a number of roles of increasing importance. And of course, I couldn't be happier to be uh, representing uh, Flora as their CEO and the chairman. Wonderful, wonderful. Why don't we start off uh, for anyone who may be unfamiliar with the cannabis industry? Again, it's, it's kind of a uh, fastly growing, rapidly um, expanding industry in lieu of many of the states around the nation 
legalizing either medical marijuana or even recreational marijuana. Uh, so talk to us a little bit more about the industry generally, and then we can zoom in on shifting human capital strategy. Yeah, of course, Jonathan. I mean, the, the global industry, and it's a global industry, right, is, is booming. And it's just at the, at the early stages, but it's already estimated at over $200 billion. Out of those $200 billion, almost 50% of the revenue contribution is coming from the United States. Uh, as you know, over 35 states have legalized medicinal cannabis. 15 states have legalized recreational cannabis. Uh, there are a, a number of products and categories that are already broadly distributed in uh, 48 out of the 50 states. It's a, it's, a, it's a booming industry. And of course, one that represents what we believe is a generational opportunity for, for consumers to move from a chemical to plant-based wellness alternative. Yeah, and it's really interesting. I mean, even in a place like Utah, we're among the reddest of red states, super conservative and we also have legalized medical marijuana in Utah even. So it, it really is becoming more and more acceptable and accessible to many across the nation. And like you said, even across the world. And this is giving us a tremendous opportunity for business leaders who want to exp explore this, right? But with that expansion, with that growth also means that we're dealing with tremendous labor challenges. And this gets us into the, the human capital strategy and the challenges that organizations are going to face as they're scaling within this industry. So talk to us a little bit about that, what you've seen, what some of the struggles have been for you and your company, you know, as, as this market continues to expand. Uh, yes, John, I, I was thinking uh, before our interview about, about that specific question, and, and I think I, I would start by sharing my personal story. Uh, you know, I've I had a very traditional uh, trajectory as a, as a professional. I'm an engineer, I have an MBA, went to graduate school, then uh, I got a job at a very reputable top Fortune 100 company, and then continued to move up the corporate ladder. Um, and I think uh, for professionals today, they're looking for a balance between uh, advancing their skill set, advancing their careers, um, and also identifying those opportunities where they can take some risks that will accelerate their careers in a meaningful way. And that's where the, where the cannabis industry is, is at, right? It's a, it's a hyper growth industry. But it has a lot of stigma and there's a lot of risk attached to it. There's been a, an incredible boom in the stock market in the, in the late uh, 2018, 2019. Then there's been a, a tremendous cycle of, uh, uh, of, of the stocks coming down. And now the industry is, is in a little bit of a lull as, as well. All in the fundamentals of the industry are continuing to improve. So I, I think for, for, for a company like mine, it's incredibly important to show candidates why this industry has long-term potential. And once we're able to show that to, to uh, talent that is in more traditional industries, they're more willing to come and take the risk and jump on board. Yeah, so there's certainly the risk you know, with just a new emerging industry, right? That's certainly the case as you just described. There's also the social stigma around cannabis, and I think that's lessening, right? Um, but we have the, the, in the United States, for example, the war on drugs and this, you know, the criminalization of marijuana, possession um, of marijuana, even three strikes laws, all of this, right? So we have all of that baggage, all of that social context around the usage of it. And I think, especially for medical use, you know, it seems like that stigma is getting quickly erased, 
Um, but I think it's still there largely for recreational use, at least in, in many parts of the country. Um, and so I imagine that makes it challenging sometimes to hire good talent you know, when people may have some, you know, either it's just the social stigma or they may have some sort of a, a moral ethical kind of uh, hang up about, you know, working within the industry, working in a cannabis company. Thoughts on that and how you've addressed that uh, in recent years? Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a great uh, question that, that you're poising, John. But, you know, when you, when you think about the alcohol and tobacco industries, they're facing similar dilemmas in terms of uh, what is uh, considered a potential um, ethical or social stigma, right? Uh, the, we, we know that tobacco is really bad for your health. Uh, still, like some of these tobacco companies are some of the biggest companies out there in, in, in the world. Now, the difference between cannabis and alcohol and tobacco and some of the other vice industries that are out there is that cannabis not only presents opportunities from a recreational standpoint, but it also presents a tremendous amount of benefits from a therapeutic and pharmaceutical standpoint. There's enough scientific-based research already published today that shows that cannabis can treat a number of ailments. And there's a number of them that are plaguing humanity today, like uh, pain and as an alternative to opioids, which are addictive, like insomnia, like, uh, like, uh, like anxiety. And then of course, there's been medications that are already broadly approved to treat uh, epilepsy and other related uh, brain illnesses. So, so you have the two components, a recreational one, but you also have this really clear path, scientific path to treat and, and improve the lives of people that are suffering from any ailments. So I think when you rely on scientific-based research and you can highlight that for uh, perhaps candidates that have a higher social stigma, they're, they're more likely to, to start joining companies such as ours. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. And, and you're absolutely right. The, the increasing scientific evidence around the medical uses and the therapeutic uses of cannabis, uh, it, I mean, it's it's continuing to pile up. It's 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 quite staggering, and it, it's interesting. I was just, you know, I, I walk my dog. I have two dogs. I walk my dogs around the neighborhood daily, uh, usually at least a couple times a day, and so I get to know my neighbors a little bit. And I have an elderly couple uh, that's just kind of around the corner, around the block for me, and I often run into them and just say hi. And they're probably, I don't know for sure, but they're probably mid seventies, super conservative, super. Um, you know, just rigid around that social stigma, right? Um, and then uh, they received the horrible news that um, the wife uh, had cancer, right? And she's dealing with chemo and all of the challenges associated with that, just feeling miserable like death, um, just everything that comes with it, just such a horrible disease. I was walking around the park and I ran into him, uh, the husband, uh, one day, just a month or so ago, and I was actually quite shocked. I was pleased, but I was shocked um, that they talked about how they had just uh, gotten um, her 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 medical her medical cannabis card so that she could take medical marijuana. And literally within two or three days of starting to use marijuana, it relieved almost all of her symptoms <laughs> and the negative outcomes of chemo all of that, she was suffering so much. And then all of a sudden, almost like the light switch was flipping. Um, you know, she was feeling so much better. She was able to function. She was able to, to get out. She was able to just live her life. And 
this was a couple I never in a million years would have thought they would have embraced cannabis. Uh, but, but it just shows how quickly public attitude is changing and how quickly that stigma is, is declining. And I think for, for good reason, right? Because there are so many tremendous benefits. And even when you get to the recreational side, if there's still stigma and people are concerned, yeah, you think about it in comparison to things like cigarettes, vaping, alcohol consumption. Um, you know, I, I personally would really love for my children. I have six children. Um, I would love, especially for my teenagers, I would love for them to not drink. <laughs> I would love for them not to not do recreational drugs. I would love for them to, to not smoke or vape or any of those things because of the negative health consequences. Uh, but if they're going to do anything, I mean, I certainly, uh, marijuana usage seems like the least problematic <laughs> from, from a recreational standpoint. And, you know, I don't know if, if that's a generational attitude, um, that's just shifting over time. Uh, but it, it, it sure seems like younger generations just don't see it as the big problem that previous generations did. And the whole notion of the war on drugs, including, um, marijuana almost seems silly, you know, if not just completely damaging and harmful, uh, to many of the younger generation. Yeah, John, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with all of your comments. And I think, you know, it's important to highlight that cannabis is impacting the lives of multi-generation uh, groups, right? You mentioned uh, your, your teenage uh, children, and you also mentioned your 70-year-old neighbors. Like, like people from all age groups are starting to adopt cannabis as an alternative to, to more harmful recreational uses or you know, more harmful medicinal, medicinal alternatives to treat uh, ailments. And it happening, it's happening all over the world. And I think we need to do a better job. And we're, do, like we're focusing on that at Flora, at, at, at educating consumers, at educating patients, and educating the medical community so they become comfortable. Like I mean, in, a, in a big part of, of, of our work right now is to show doctors that you can actually prescribe cannabis, which is now like in countries like Colombia, you can actually prescribe cannabis and it's covered by your health insurance. But doctors are apprehensive because they don't understand what type of ailments they can, they can um, cover on their, on their cannabis. So we have to educate them, right? And, and it's, it's incredibly important that we spend time doing that. And when we're talking to candidates, go, going back to the component of attracting incredible talent, you have to highlight for them the, uh, uh, the, the many benefits that this industry is actually providing. When it comes to the war on drugs, it's also, you know, it's, it, when people think about the war on drugs, they no longer think about uh, cannabis or marijuana. They, that's just not what the war on drugs uh, kind, like, it means anymore to any demographic at this, po at this point. Um, I, I do believe that there's a little bit of work to do for, with regards to the, the government and, like, and the regulatory framework as it exists today to ensure that, that the entire population can feel comfortable. Um, you know, one of the, of the, of the big um, unlocks for, for many generations to actually adopt cannabis would be for them to find cannabis products in their local convenience store or their local department store. And that is not going to happen until the more or the safe act are passed. Once those two things happen, then I, I believe we're going to see a meaningful change in terms of attitude. And I think we're really going to have an influx of, uh, of talent into the industry.
check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen Organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, The Future Leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's wonderful. And I think this is an ever evolving and, and developing kind of an area. Um, let's talk a little bit more specifically about some of the biggest talent needs that you have within the industry. I mean, certainly like any industry you have across all functional areas, you need people, good people. Um, but where do you find the biggest gap in, in the needs that you have versus what you seem to be getting? I'm sure your industry is struggling with the great resignation and, and with people opting out of, you know, traditional styles of work and, and doing more gig work and doing more contract work and whatever. I'm sure you're dealing with that just like everyone else. Um, but where do you see that biggest gap? Yeah, look, I think um, you're absolutely right. Surprisingly, the, the needs of the cannabis industry are very similar to the needs of any other industry, uh, John. So you hit that uh, right in the head. Uh, we very quickly had to adopt a very flexible uh, work policy uh, we do not require any any of our hires to move. So in, in order for us to, to, to capture the biggest pool and the best pool of talent, we broaden our scope to the world, basically. And we have people working in Calgary, in Toronto, in Miami, in Fort Lauderdale, in San Diego, in Colombia, all over the world. They're working where, where they lived. And if they so choose to move to our headquarters here in Miami, then we, we can help them relocating. But we don't find that as a, as a requirement. And that has really opened up the, the talent pool significantly to us. Uh, but I think where we're missing is some skill set uh, across all functions. And the skill set is in the cannabis industry, a lot of what we're doing is the first time we're doing it. Um, right. So, so there's a lot of firsts. And when, when you're doing things for the first time, you truly need an entrepreneurial spirit, but you also need people that understand how, how a, a fully developed functioning company works. And it's, it's very hard to find both of those. Um, and, 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 and you need, you need that type of, uh, 
of agility across all functions in the organization. You know, when it's difficult just to secure capital because, because you don't have access to traditional capital like every other industry, or you don't have access to traditional payroll like every other industry does, you need a finance uh, a finance head that is able to understand this very complex environment and find solutions that have not been developed before, right? Uh, when you have never moved uh, a product from one country to another, it's the first time doing it, then you need to have somebody that understands supply chain, that understands regulatory framework, and that can also create, invent that, that new path for the first time. So the tapping of ingenuity is found in the entrepreneur world, uh, and, but you also need, uh, as I mentioned, the, the well-formed corporate, uh, more traditional route. And, and that's where we find the, the gaps. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's really great framing of of the gaps and the challenges that you're dealing with. Like you said, it, similar similarities to other industries, of course, um, but there are some unique aspects of this particular industry and just the nascent stage of the industry, right? And the, the development, the growth of it brings unique challenges. And and you said it, the entrepreneurial spirit, the entrepreneurial mindset, I think, is as important. Um, now, I mean, really in any business, I think that's important. You need agile people willing to adapt and to uh, adopt and change as the needs of the market change around them. But particularly in an emerging market, um, in an industry like this, I think you just have to be super adaptive if you hope to to, to weather the, the challenges that are inevitable that are going to come and just dealing with things like, you know, there's, there's social stigma in many products and industries, um, but the, the nature of this particular industry and this particular set of products, you know, has a unique history, has a unique set of stigmas um, that, you know, we are going to have to continue to, to, to tackle as you move forward. So I think all of that's great. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask about this, not specifically in relation to talent, but in relation to the regulatory environment um, around uh, cannabis and what you're seeing in some of the, the most recent changes there and if that's affecting your human capital strategy at all? Uh, well, it certainly is. I, I would say uh, it, there's two ways in like, which I can answer this question is the regulatory environment inside of the United States and then that, that outside of the United States is exceptionally complex, exceptionally complex. Um, inside the U.S., uh, we do know there is a path to sell and broadly distribute uh, CBD, which is the non-psychoactive, non-intoxicating uh, molecule of cannabis. Um, and then there is also a pathway for the, uh, the psychoactive molecule of, of cannabis, THC. Uh, but there are over 100 molecules in the cannabis plant. And uh, some of them are called the minors. And those are unregulated today. And there is a, a meaningful move from state legislatures to find a way to regulate uh, the, these, these minor cannabinoids. And that is going to add complexity to product development, product distribution, uh, sales. And some of them are psychoactive, some of them are not. It's, it's, it's very complex. And that, is just, that just means that we need to be additionally extra vigilant about what we are doing in every, the geo, every one of the geographies in which we operate. And then from a broader perspective, you know, we're waiting to see a meaningful change in a couple of places in the world. Uh, Germany is a big one. Germany is about to go uh, to go recreational. We believe it's going to happen over the next 12 months. That is very exciting. 
Uh, we're also waiting for the UN to make a, a, a move that will, that will effectively uh, legalize the trade of cannabis on a, on a global scale. And if that were to happen, I think we're going to be able to meaningfully attract more traditional industry professionals that would likely understand the potential of cannabis over the long term. Wonderful, wonderful. Luis, it has been a real pleasure and a fascinating conversation. I appreciate your time and that you've shared your insights with me and my listeners. We're getting close to the end of our time. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you and find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Uh, of, of course, uh, John. So if, if anyone wants to contact us, we are at floragrowth.com. Uh, we are on every social media platform. And of course, we are on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Louise Merchant. And please feel free to connect with me uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, with regards to human capital, it, is, it has been the single biggest uh, foundation of our company. We have only focused on acquiring and attracting the best talent at all levels in the organization. Our team is a multi-disciplinary uh, uh, team uh, from our chairman of the board all the way to agricultural skilled workers in Colombia. We have attracted incredible talent. And if you want to join an industry that has very long-term potential that will only continue to grow over the next 10 years, that will present in a, in significant challenges, but also uh, it will be a very fun environment to work in. Please feel free to reach out to us because we're hiring, we're growing. Wonderful. Thank you, Luis. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Luis and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer than indigo leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. 
Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.